Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Many people equate the word intimacy with sex. And those of us who write about relationships often have to do that so our information doesn't get blocked on the Internet. And yes, sex is a form of intimacy. It's just not the only form. And sex is also only one part of physical intimacy. But there's also intellectual, spiritual, and emotional intimacy. And all forms of intimacy are important aspects of a healthy, thriving marriage. So what is emotional intimacy and how can you make sure it has a place in your relationship? Well, that's what I'm going to be talking about today with my guest, certified hypnotherapist and clinical psychologist, Dr. Nancy Irwin. So, Dr. Irwin, Nancy, thanks for coming on the show and talking about what is becoming a much more addressed aspect of romantic relationships. Well, thank you so much, Leslie. It's a pleasure to be here. And, um, yeah, basically, emotional intimacy is the ability to be vulnerable, to assertively communicate your honest feelings, beliefs, values, and goals. The more people are in touch with that themselves and can communicate it to their partner, the greater the chance of creating emotional intimacy. Well, you know, and it's, I think that the first person I ever heard use this expression was Dr. Sue Johnson, who's a, who's a, um, couples and, and marriage therapist. And she talked about that intimacy equals into me, you see. So, which I always thought was a great, you know, a great little, little definition. And, you know, but you used, you started out with your definition of emo- of emotional intimacy with that very scary word vulnerability and you know it's one of those things where um you know I'm sure you've heard Brené Brown's vulnerability talk oh, yeah. um but you know the talk about we love it when other people are vulnerable but us not so much <laughs> so what is what is that disconnect and how do we kind of embrace vulnerability? Well, it usually comes out of fear. Mm-hmm. You're afraid to share something. You feel exposed. And you fear the other person's going to reject you. Because sometimes they do. <laughs> exactly. And here's what is important to know before you're in any relationship, whether it's professional or intimate uh, a relationship, any kind of relationship needs to be one of the hallmark, one of the foundational blocks. It's preferable if you have trust. Mm. A lot of people think they confuse that word with a guarantee. It means I'm guaranteed they're never going to hurt me. Ah. We win. <laughs> yeah, can I get can, can I sign up for that one? Exactly. But even in the healthiest relationships, there will inevitably be some degree of hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's inadvertent, hopefully. Yes. But the difference between trust and a guarantee is you trust not only that other person will do their best 
to be honest and not hurt you, but you trust yourself that you can bounce back from whatever wound there is. Because vulnerable actually comes from the Latin word wound. We're able to be wounded. So we're open. We're naked emotionally (laughs) or physically. So it's trusting that you can still be whole yourself and keep your strong sense of self regardless of what the other person, quote, unquote, does to you. Mm. And, you know, and I love that. And it all sounds so wonderful in theory. <laughs> but it's... But it, you know, hasn't done, of course. Right. Well, I mean, you know, and it's... You know, and, and I loved... I loved your um, delineation between intentional and unintentional hurt because I was working with a client many years ago and I asked her, you know, what is it that you truly want? And she said, I want that my husband will never hurt me ever again. And I went, <laughs> I almost want to say, well, there's the door. Um, I did. I mean, I didn't, but I mean, because we do, we want that guarantee that, you know, that, and, and, you know, the way I look at it, you know, if my husband's hurting me or if I'm or if I'm being hurt by something my husband does because he doesn't hurt me. But, you know, to me, it means there's something he doesn't know, because I, I know for a fact he would never intentionally cause harm. So if there's harm, he just doesn't know something. But but it goes back to what you were talking about, that critical piece of trust. And I think that's where people get caught up in because you talked about not only trusting the other person but having a sense of trust in ourselves that we can handle being hurt and i think that is a really hard thing for a lot of people is it because we haven't been taught how to do it unless you were fortunate to have this modeled in your home (laughs) but yeah you know most of love not most of love Love is many times projecting onto the other what we want. Uh. So you're projecting a lack of trust because I have clients all the time going, I can't trust. It's hard. I know I can't be in a relationship. Right. I have trust issues. Mm-hmm. Well, then you need to examine your own inability to trust yourself and others mm. because if you're projecting, you know this guy's going to cheat on you at some point or lie to you or whatever, mm-hmm. then there's some degree of that in yourself. Mm. Well, that makes sense. So what are some warning signs that a couple actually lacks emotional intimacy in their marriage? What kind of what kind of things could people be looking at to go, oh, here's an area we might want to take a look at? Right. Well, it's hard for outsiders. I mean, as therapists, we're trained to study body language, gesture, tone, Uh (laughs) choice of words, um, eye movement, all of that stuff. Uh, But basically, if one partner is sort of withdrawn verbally, Uh physically, they turn away, there's no connection, um, or if they come across as controlling, or if their conversations are almost always just superficial, they uh, can't get down yeah. to the nitty-gritty, or they'll just agree, they become emotionally fused with their partner. Kind of like, yeah, whatever you say, they're, they're enmeshed, mm-hmm. they're codependent. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to state their own feelings because they fear being rejected. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard for a lot of people to be 
alone, and this sort of begs the conversation about attachment styles. I'm not right. sure if your um, uh, listener base, if you've covered attachment styles before in some of your shows, but that is something that um, gets set in place before mm-hmm. about the age of three, and the good news yeah. is they're always repairable. Mm-hmm. And basically about 50% of us babies uh, we're fortunate to be to develop a secure attachment style, meaning one or two parents were there with the soothing arms, the breast, the bottle, and we learned that enough of our needs are going to be met in this crazy world. Mm-hmm. Well, that trust spills over into our intimate relationships later. Oh, we'll get dumped and rejected, <laughs> but we'll bounce back because mm-hmm. we know uh, we are lovable. And then mm. the other 50% is, um, is divided, insecure attachment styles, if you will, are divided into about three subsets. One is an anxious baby. These are the babies who either had, uh, they were either kowtowed to, they were worshipped, uh-huh. nobody could keep their hands off them, so they learned the world is my oyster, I always get what I want, or they were neglected. So they become desperately needy for attention and closeness. Mm-hmm. This spills over in other relationships uh, as, sure. as adults where they're, um, they can't be single. They'll only mm. leave a bad relationship if they have someone waiting in the wings. They're constantly checking their phone. They, can't, they find it hard to trust unless the person's with them, looking in their eyes, talking all the time. They don't try right. silence. They right. don't try, you know, oh, I texted him 10 minutes ago. He hasn't texted me back. Who's he sleeping with? Right. <laughs> and then there's an avoidant baby. These are the, the babies who probably were neglected, and mm-hmm. they just learn, I don't trust nobody. And so there's a wall between them and other people in adult relationships. Oh, they may get married or be in relationships, but um, they, they tend to pick partners with whom they don't have anything to lose. They can't be vulnerable. The mm. wall is so thick. They'll either be uh, someone living in another country or they're already <laughs> married or there's an addiction in the way or something like that. And then mm-hmm. there's a combo deal, anxious avoidant. These are kids that clearly got a lot of mixed messages growing up due to chaos in the home, mental illness, absence, abuse, domestic violence, um, early death, separation, all those things. Right. So they want to get close, but when they get too close, they pull away because they can't trust. Right. And you know, and it's and it's interesting because um you know, as you were talking, it's like I had I had the, the country song looking for love in all the wrong places. Uh, which which is an attachment issue thing. Um because you know you know, because we're looking outside of ourselves and it's so you know, it, it's so important to understand because one of the things that, you know, I've I've said to my clients um, and people in general who talk to me about relationships, I said, you know, the, the, the standard for me of when you're ready to be in a really healthy, productive, intimate relationship is when first, when you're by yourself, you like the company you're with. Right. Because, yeah. you know, it is. We keep, you know, it, it's the whole soulmate, the you complete mate, gag me with a spoon, that line. Um, you know, it's like, no, somebody can't complete you. They can compliment you. They can bring out the best in you. But, but again, that's a, that, that goes to that 
sense of trust and what does that mean and um, you know and what what do we do when when we have a partner maybe who either is what I call the yes man pretty much I'm, I'm going to agree with anything this person says just because I don't want to deal with quote-unquote conflict right right and or or you know the alternative is is that I'm not going to engage with them because it's it's difficult and painful and I don't know you know so it's just easier to to just you know, withdraw or you know I mean but here's but here's something else that I really wanted to ask about because I think this is something that a lot of couples run into um, that for me is a warning sign and it's not intentional but it's this um, taking you know we we live in this child-centric society where our, our children can you know can never experience any kind of pain or discomfort or whatever or disappointment right or disappointment <laughs> heaven help us and you know and so so the so a couple's focus becomes completely about their children or or one part of, or, or one part of the partnership their their focus is completely about the children and and we just kind of put that that romantic intimate relationship on the back burner hoping that somehow when the kids are when the last kid goes leaves home you know we'll have it again but but by that time it's usually it frequently it is starved to death um, but so right. what so i mean and sometimes i think that people do that because it's much speaking as a parent it's much easier to interact with our children because there's the hierarchical factor as opposed to dealing with this person who's theoretically our equal partner in this relationship. Does that does, does that play into this at all? Yeah, I think um, I think the whole trick is to have a strong sense of self. Mm-hmm. When there's a strong sense of self, then you can attach appropriately to a partner and create what we call an interdependent relationship. Mm-hmm. I think your listeners mm-hmm. all know what a codependent relationship is, and you can sort of, there's no visual here, but if you press <laughs> your fingertips together, that's a codependent relationship. If you ha- kind of make a triangle mm-hmm. and put your fingertips together, that means when one, each one is leaning on the other, and mm-hmm. if something happens to one, the other will collapse. Gotcha. Same thing with a dependent relationship. That's when one partner is strong, you can hand, stick one hand straight up, and then the other one is leaning against them. And okay. if a strong one gives way, the other one is going to collapse. Mm-hmm. And then if two people are too independent and you put your hands far away, they never really fuse at all. Okay. So the healthiest thing is to just have your hands, your hands straight up facing one another, about six inches apart, this is an interdependent model, meaning two people are strong and they can go it alone, but they choose to enhance one another's happiness, mm-hmm. share values, resources, and maybe procreate. And then you could sort of let two of your fingers meet together so there's that strong bond between the two so that if something happens to one, the other one can still stand strong. 
Right. I, I love that description because I, I mean, cause I, I've had that conversation with people about what's the difference between a codependent and an interdependent relationship because, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it could be a fine line. I just want to remind my listeners that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking about the importance of emotional intimacy for a healthy relationship with certified hypnotherapist and clinical psychologist, Dr. Nancy Irwin. And if you've spotted yourself in the discussion about lack of emotional intimacy, attachment issues, whatever, trust issues, you're not alone. But you can change that, and I can help. So I invite you to take a moment and give me a call or send me an email to schedule your free, no-obligation, five-star relationship call. You can reach me by email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. Or you can give me a phone call at area code 919-924-0463. That's 919-924-0463. And now I want to get back to this conversation about the importance of um, emotional intimacy in your marriage. So um, how can a couple build or rebuild emotional intimacy in their marriage if they recognize that maybe it's missing? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, uh, they can do this on their own or guided by a counselor, a therapist, a clergy member, a life coach. A lot of people can help them do this. But it's practicing reflective listening. Uh. And you take turns. You could even use a talking stick like our Native American brothers and sisters do where you get to talk. The other person cannot interrupt. You have the phones turned off, no Uh other distractions. And you look at one another, you're facing one another in an open body language position, whether it's lotus position on the floor or two chairs facing one another. Not too close where you're touching because you uh-huh. want to, re- to respect each sense of self. And just look at one another. And then you share, for example, what's been bothering you or what you need or something. Uh-huh. The other person then, when you're done, you give them the talking stick and they reflect what they heard. Many times we hear what we want to hear and all that. So partner number two is reflecting what they heard. And then partner number one can correct them. Uh I know that's what you heard, but this is maybe I didn't express it correctly. (laughs) And then you keep doing that back and forth until they get what you're saying. Okay. That is very slow, but it really helps people listen and hear the other person rather than reading their mind and assuming what they meant. Right. Sweeping it under the carpet. Or trying to fix it. Exactly. You just want to hear them. And Mm -hmm. you bring up a good point. Instead of fixing it and telling them what they should do about it, just validate their feeling. Just validate it, meaning you make it valid. Uh I hear you're disappointed or you're really hurt by blah, blah, blah. And just validate that. Uh And then the next step will be to process it appropriately. What can I do to rebuild the trust? How can I sufficiently apologize? How can we guarantee this won't happen again? Uh So that's processing it. But the first step is crucial. You've got to validate it. Rather than, well, you shouldn't feel that way. I'm sure you didn't. But it's just the way it landed on them, and you've got to respect that to garner their trust. 
that's a vital first step to rebuilding trust. And then so practicing reflective listening at least once a week. And I always suggest couples have a, they schedule like a business mm-hmm. meeting. And they yep. sound boring, but yep. i got to tell you, more people ran into relationships <laughs> like their businesses, they'd be healthier. <laughs> Oh, so you, I, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir on that one, absolutely. Yeah, it takes some work. Rather than assuming or letting it go, it's not that important. It is important. Uh-huh. And then so you schedule this weekly check-in session, Sunday morning or something when there's no other pressures, and then just do this reflective listening and share how you're feeling about one another. You kind of take a temperature of the relationship. Uh-huh. And... um you know, I was a little disappointed. I thought we were going to do blah, 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 and that didn't happen. And uh-huh. then you clear that up so that it doesn't turn into resentment. Uh-huh. Resentment is just that word means re-feel, resent. You repeatedly feel the same, usually unpleasant, right. feeling. So when you clear the air, your chances of nipping that in the bud before it does turn into a long pattern of undesirable behavior um, then you can be free. Well, yeah, it's funny because I, I talk about people having marriage meetings as well, and it's like, okay, I mean, and, and, and your know, weekly times where we're talking about the relationship and 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 how I you know how I'm doing did some, did something happen this week that that didn't land well with me you know th- there may be something that we need to resolve that you know is is ongoing and but but it really is about this you know and the key piece is that reflective listening um, which really is a skill that you know, we we don't teach people because you know we're so used to being you know part, some of it is I don't want to I don't want to have or deal with the hard feelings when my partner comes to me and says something that I did ended up with them having hurt having being feeling hurt and again it's not you know I didn't cause the hurt mean but I did do something that that resulted in that hurt and how do I how do I um, absorb that and I do really think and, and tell me if I'm on the right track that that being able to do that is really about that emotional intimacy piece that I don't it's not you know I, I didn't necessarily do anything wrong I'm not a bad person but but right. so, but somebody can come to me and share, oh, this thing over here, <laughs> you know, is yeah. you know is is just something I struggle you know that I struggle with, and could we find a different way to do that? Yes, because first of all, assume your partner has a positive intent. Mm-hmm. In fact, everyone does. No one is born bad. I mean, evil is a whole nother conversation. Right. But for those listening, are probably not sociopaths. <laughs> right. So we're all born um, with a positive intent. So even when there's inevitable hurt, mm-hmm. you want to check behind the behavior to see what, if, for example, if somebody's criticizing, mm-hmm. it's painful. Right. But un- behind it, they're trying to impart their truth or their opinion about what they'd like to give you or see you rise to your ability or et cetera. Mm -hmm. So breaking through the way they're communicating it and getting to the positive intent, it's always a positive intent. Nobody ever does anything to deliberately be bad or stupid. 
Even <laughs> right. serial killers, not defending them, but in their world, they're trying to feel powerful, in control, make a statement, right some perceived wrong. Uh-huh. So when you can begin to say, look, I know there's a positive intent here. Help me to understand. Because uh-huh. the way you're imparting this seems very hurtful to me. Or it's triggering my feelings about the way my mother was right. critical of me. Because we all have landmines. Mm-hmm. And your partner needs to know what they are so they can avoid them. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's that, that's such a critical component. And, and by the way, what you're describing is the way that trust is built. When I come to you and I say... This is a real, you know, this is really hard for me. It triggers, you know, it comes back to how my sister would treat me or my mother or whoever. And, you know, I, and I know, I know it's not the intent, but I, I, but, but we, but we need to stay away from this or we need to handle it in a different way when it comes up. And then when the person hears that and agrees to the plan, right, then it's like, Oh, I can trust you. I can come to you with these difficult feelings that I have and know that they're going to be validated. Yeah, respected. Yeah. And and yeah. not be told I'm crazy or stupid or I shouldn't feel that way or all the other ways because that's actually a reflection of the hearer's discomfort. You know, the the most obscene words to me are when people say, just get over it. Oh. <laughs> that goes through me like a knife. <laughs> Easier said than done. We all have wounds. And mm-hmm. to uh, insist that someone get over it means you're not willing to help them process the hurt that you're triggering. Of course, it's not intentional. It's not right. your fault. But that's what's happening. So you want to be respectful and go, I'm so sorry you're feeling this way. Let's mm-hmm. talk it out. Then the other person simply feels heard, which they may not have gotten from their sister or mm-hmm. mother or way back mm-hmm. when. And mm-hmm. most importantly, yes, this is helping strengthen the relationship, but when partner one is free to say this is really triggering for me when blah, blah, blah is said or done, that person is therapizing themselves. They're getting clean. They're being honest and in identifying their feelings, asking for them to be validated, and then processing them for themselves and right. with the trusted partner. So that's really going a long way to being emotionally um, clean and healthy, which you have to be clean yourself before you can be clean and healthy with a partner. Yeah. So I, I want to talk to that because you talked about um, this strong sense of self. Mm-hmm. And can you describe what that means? Because because it's not about being arrogant or thinking that I'm all that or, you know, I'm better than you are. or I mean, it's not – that's not what a strong – self is or that I can't, you know, it's got to be my way or the highway. So can you talk a little bit about what that actually looks like? Absolutely. And it's, of course, going to be different for every person. But you begin to trust that you can deal with whatever occurs. Of course, you know you're not perfect. Mm -hmm. Strong people with a, a strong ego strength, a healthy sense of self, own their own insecurities and vulnerabilities. And they know that they're a work in progress and always will be, but mm-hmm. they fairly assess it. 
they don't think there's something, quote-unquote, wrong with them or others. They're willing to move forward on the road in life, experience the good stuff, and learn from the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Knowing they can go it alone. I think that right. is a hallmark trait of having a strong sense of self. Because in actuality, and people may not want to hear this, and it's positive, it's going to sound negative. <laughs> right. But it's it's really not a basic adult need to be in an intimate relationship. Oh, we like them, and we right. want them. Right. But we don't, quote, unquote, need it. Right. It's a gift. So when you, and this allows two people to have that interdependence we were talking about, Mm -hmm. when they want to be in a relationship, but they don't feel like there's anything wrong with them if they're single, they're they're strong. So having that as a strong base, then it begins much more exciting and easier to be with another person. Yeah, you know, and and that's... So how can people work on that? Because that, to me, is a sign of maturity, right? Because, you, I mean, you, know, you can have mature five-year-olds and immature 90-year-olds. It doesn't have anything to do with age. It, it has to do with what you're talking about. And, you know, and I, you, the whole thing about, you know, never making our children feel bad because, that will damage their self-esteem. It's like, no, 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 you build their self-esteem by helping them overcome disappointment, hard times, Long. hurts, right? Yeah. Bad. Failures. Yeah. Failures built into success, and you're doing your kids no service if you don't allow them to fail, mm-hmm. to have setbacks and losses, and learn from it. It doesn't mean that they're a failure or a right. loser. Right, right. I mean, because because like you said, you know, and I remember, um, and I have never read the book, and I actually should, but um, Pat Conroy's semi well autobiographical, um, my losing season was about yeah. the last year of the, at the Citadel, and he and basically he said, winning teaches you nothing, losing teaches you everything. Because it's you know it, it it is you know it is character building not not that we want to you know we do but but the idea of you know and people talk you know, my clients will talk to me about failing and to me failing means you just don't get up and try again it doesn't mean that you know but but we're not but but we're not really teaching this or celebrating it except for people like you and me. Um, you know that this idea of there is no soulmate perfect person who's never going to misunderstand you or cause you a moment's right you yeah. know hurt and and so it's not a hollywood movie <laughs> well, well, not a fairy tale but i mean but even in but even in ho- even in hollywood movies and fairy tales People have to go through challenges. I mean, you know, Hansel and Gretel got shoved into an oven. It's like, okay. Um, You know, so it's like, I mean, and and if anybody knows anything about fairy tales, that's actually what they were designed to do to help children, you know, show this, you know, the, the hero's journey and all of this other stuff that we talk about constantly. It's not that, you know, but but what we don't see in, especially in Hollywood movies, is what happens, you know, 
boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl, they ran off into the sunset, which is why my show is called, yeah, that's why my show is called Happily Ever After. It's just the beginning because how do we then navigate those everyday things? You know, I always want to call, you know, call Cinderella and say, hey, hey, how are things going with Prince Charming? (laughs) Does does he pick up his socks? I mean, you know, so, but, but it's, it's this idea that we have and, you know, the, and and that that's why when I talk about emotions, I never talk about good and bad emotions because that's judgmental. Right. It's easier and harder. Yeah, you well, know, pleasant be, and unpleasant. Pleasant, right? Yeah, and so and you can work through the unpleasant ones, then you got the world by the tail. Yeah. Well, Nancy, Doctor Irwin, thank you so much for being on the show and and sharing this really important information. Can you let the listeners know where else they can find out more about you? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm based in Los Angeles. My website is simply www.drnancyirwin. That's D-R-N-A-N-C-Y-I-R-W-I-N. The same moniker for all the the websites. I mean, all the mm-hmm. social media, like mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. It's Doctor Nancy Irwin. Very simple. LinkedIn, all those things. And I also have a book. It's about reinventing, reinventing the self, and it's called U Turn, and that's Y O U Turn because you can turn your life around. Change I love it. In midlife, it's specifically because I made a change in midlife. I was 44 when I went into this industry, mm-hmm. and it's never too late to live a life you love. But the book, there are tips for making change at any age. It was not just for middle age. Right. You have to wait until you're 40 to read it. Right. <laughs> and, that's, and that's on Amazon.com, and it's now on Audible as well. Woohoo! Okay, well, go get yeah. that book because it sounds like a fantastic thing to read. And, you know, the truth is, is that humans are actually wired to be in connection with other people. We're not meant to live out on our own in, in the woods somewhere. And right. everyone deserves to be seen, valued, and loved for who they are. Word to the wise guys, it's your birthright. That is what emotional intimacy provides. And if you have it in your life, fantastic! And if you don't, what needs to happen so that you do? And hopefully one of the things that you'll keep doing is to keep listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving.